Welcome to the Cosmic Business Podcast. I'm Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer, business coach, and CEO of Weave Your Bliss, a company with the goal to help a million spirit-led entrepreneurs build a cosmic business around their genius so that they can earn wildly well and bankroll the change they want to see in the world. A cosmic business is a new paradigm business that believes in collaboration over competition, building a business around your unique genius, aligning to the planets and your intuition, leading with your values, putting your health and the health of the planet first, treating people fairly and building giving into your business model. Sounds fabulous, right? On this show, I will take you behind the scenes of my thriving multi-six-figure business, including strategy on closing more sales, nurturing your community online, plus astrological insights to optimize your business and life. We'll also feature conversations with spirit-led business owners, creatives, and change makers to inspire you. I'm coming to you from our regenerative farm in rural Maine, my happy place, where we are currently creating space to welcome community for retreat and earth reconnection. Let's jump into the conversation. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the podcast this week. It is Black Friday week. I'm excited because we are offering some really incredible deals this week on things that we sell here at Weave Your Bliss. One of which is the Heal Your Money Karma course and Money Karma Analyses, which are on sale today until the 22nd for three days only. You can either get both for $4.97. So you get a, a Money Karma Analysis and you get the course Heal Your Money Karma, or you just get the course for $197. So this is from November 20th to 22nd only. Normally the two together are 777 and the course is normally 497. So for the price of the course alone, you can get both. This is a special money karma analysis that takes a look at your specific chart, your specific details and answers some questions for you about your money, your success, anything that you want to look into having to do with income. This short sale will be the best price I've ever offered it. It's a really great time to join the course and get your finances sorted before the new year. So you can really start that practice of calling in wealth. And this course has helped over 100 people already. So jump in. The link is in the show notes to get started. I have a very special interview for you today with Deva Madhukeef of Sahaya Sacred Arts, who is an LGBTQIA plus informed astrologer, which we talk about in this interview. Deva Madhu is actually joining the Weave Your Bliss team as an astrologer. We are both taught by Steven Heiberger. We've been in the same cohort for a really long time. We talk astrology. And I just thought it would be great to bring Deva Madhu on. So Deva Madhu is going to be doing money karma analyses for us. So in this sale, if you do purchase a money karma analysis, you're going to get a detailed look at your chart and a beautiful money karma analysis from Deva Madhu. Deva Madhu has been studying in the lineage of KL Mantri since 2015, same lineage as me. Deva Madhu's experience as a queer and trans man has enlivened his work, leading him to investigate life more deeply and discover tools for healing and empowerment. Further inspired by his spiritual practice, his greatest desire in life is to develop his gifts and skills and use them in service of others. So if you want more clarity around your work, your money situation, please do make sure you go and sign up for Money Karma Analysis. There are only 20 available. And I am super excited to welcome Deva Madhu to Weave Your Bliss. So please do enjoy this interview with Deva Madhu Keefe, where we talk about 
money karma and how analysis of ours can help us succeed. We talked about the value of the queer perspective in divination and elsewhere. We talk about the planet Mercury as a business supporter. We talk about the value of teachers and grace. And we also talk about a generative perspective on astrology and how to use this as a productive tool. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, David Madu. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. So nice to have you back. <laughs> so you and I, I'm really excited, first of all, just to welcome you to be a part of Weave Your Bliss and to be offering some readings for our clients. So that's really wonderful, exciting news. And so I just wanted to bring you on the podcast so that we could talk astrology. We could talk about, you know, let's like go to the fundamentals. Like, why do we even use this tool, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So, so like, why don't we even just start there? Like what maybe from your own personal life, and I'm happy to share from mine, like what has this tool done for you in your life, in your work? I mean, when I think about it, I have always loved details. Like that comes up hugely in my own astrology chart and just in my life. Like I always felt like I was trying to see what was going on with the people around me, like how, what makes them tick, what they care about. And I don't know, noticing things like, uh, what's the word? So like synchronicities in life, like all of that stuff. And just feeling like there was, there's something more interesting going on here than I had words for, or I had been taught. And I feel like with early education for me, it was kind of that capitalist factory model where you just get the knowledge crammed in your head and then you lose it for the next test. You know, it's, it just kind of keeps going and going and going, but I wanted to see kind of more was more of what was going on in a deeper way here. My strange life kind of ping-ponged me in different directions. And then I eventually found my main spiritual teacher who introduced me to this form of astrology. And I had never liked astrology before that. I was just like, ah, oh, it just sort of seems like personality quizzes or something like that. I think that. that's and, that's so funny because mm -hmm. I was a big skeptic too until I had my first reading. And even that was just in a moment of desperation where I just needed clarity so bad and somebody suggested it and I was like, why not? <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. So it just like, it just took me immediately. I was like, I don't care what I have to do. I have to keep studying this. And I don't know. I just, it's, one of the main things I've been amazed by is that feeling that I'm actually connected to something so much bigger than myself. Like the fact that this exists and that it works so well, you know, in the right hands, like with someone with the right skills and the right knowledge, I feel like I'm actually a part of reality in a different way. Like before, I just felt like a little being, you know, kind of scooting around the world, really disconnected from other people. And this is like this incredible feeling of like, I can sit down with a client I've never met before. I know nothing about their life, use these tools to the best of my ability and have like a sweet conversation where I'm talking about their past and even sometimes like little, you know, flashes on their future. And just knowing that that's possible and that I can use the skills that I have to be of benefit to other people with this is like, it really feels like a way that I was met by all of reality, like given this incredible gift. And I just want to use it well. You know? I feel the same. I just feel like so held in, in this, you know, it's not just a tool. It's like a living being, you know, and it feels almost like you're in the lap of the mother. It sounds strange to say for some people who don't understand, but these sciences, these, you know, Indian sciences are all like living beings that have breath of life in them by dent of people passing it on orally and like holding those traditions close, like actually living them, not just 
theoretically learning them or studying them, but actually practicing them. And so they have, they have a life of their own. And so that's helpful to know too, when you're interacting with them, because they have, they're like a, a devata or like a deity. So those deities have peculiarities and like desires, and <laughs> we kind of have to humble ourselves before it. And that's the only kind of natural way that I find works. But we have such similar stories because I, I had some the same thing happen where I had a reading and it felt like the person, you know, it doesn't matter who that person was. It was the moment. It was the karmas. Because people often ask me like, who was the person who did that reading? It's like they were possessed by my karmas to give me that reading, which made me go, okay, something is going on here and I am insatiable. I cannot focus on anything else. This is what I want to do. And I went right down the rabbit hole, like you said you did. And we both have the same teacher who is Steven Heiberger. So we came into contact in that community. So yeah, it's just so beautiful. Um, And I think one of the things we also share, which I think we probably got from Steven, is this perspective on how we approach astrology. Like it's, you know, it's quite practical in a way, like it's deeply spiritual, but it's not what I have been exposed to often in India. There's a sort of patriarchal almost view of like, it's this or that, or it's all or nothing. And even on one of your posts, you said something like, I won't tell people when they're going to die. And there were like two other things I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Like if they'll, that they'll never have a child, oh, if yeah. they're never going to get into a relationship, yeah, right. like try to try to act like God. Like as if I could really know that, you know, even if I had decades and decades of study, I don't know if I'll ever get there. And is that useful for anyone to tell them something to like scare them with the time that they're going to die or give them that feeling of like hopelessness about something they've wanted? I'm My mindset is always like, how can I be helpful to this person? How can I help them? How can I kind of see them as clearly as possible and get them closer to where they're trying to go? And if I see something's really, really challenging, I'll try to like work with that as much as I can. And I think you share this kind of view that it's like, how can we make things positive? How can we make things workable? And my, my teacher, Shambhavi, says, you know, she constantly is talking about, I forget which teacher said this to her originally or who, where she got this from, but this idea of like, how can we work with this circumstance? Like that's <laughs> adapting yeah. to life's constant changes is right. like the, the game that we're for, playing here. From my perspective too, like if somebody is having a Vedic astrology reading, their karma has brought them here for a reason so that they could get some insight. So I just get curious about that. And I get to be the channel. You know, I've done the work, I've showed up, I've learned how you do, you know, how you read a chart and how you do calculations and what you're looking for, right? I've done all that. And and it's constant, it doesn't end. (laughs) But I bring that to the table. And in that moment, I get to be a channel for that person's experience and karma's And I get to just be curious, like, what is it that I have that maybe I can share that can help them purify their karmas further, have a better experience, work with what they have here, because their karmas obviously want them to hear something because they're sitting here with me. (laughs) So what do you think? You know, I've heard a lot of different like mixed things from people who have had readings with Western astrologers or other Vedic astrologers. And, you know, that feeling of just wanting to be supported and seen and cared for, I think is really you know, often like missing from this culture. Like there's a lot of this sense that everything has to be constantly improving. And if we're not doing well, we're failing at life in some sort of way. And I feel like what I've noticed is, yeah, with with Stephen's view and my teacher Shambhavi's view like that, 
bigger sense that we're not in total control of everything. Like our little impact that we can make is part of this big fabric of everything that's going on here. And it's, it's not all up to us, like what unfolds or what we get out of life and just being able to be there and be supportive of someone and help them kind of move along or feel like someone's sort of on their team has always been really important to me. And I've been struck, I don't know about you, but within this tradition of Jyotish in Vedic astrology, I feel like we get all those tools to see what's in the chart or the potentials in someone's chart, but not as many tools to really deliver that information. Like it seems so vast, like how people work with it or what direction they go or how they talk about it. And I feel like that along with that sense that these are living traditions, there's like a living wisdom energy behind everything. I feel like in all my little mistaking and mistaking, (laughs) I'm being guided and shaped to like, okay, I got off on this weird track or I said this thing that didn't land for that person. Like, why did I say that? And what could I have said that's more helpful? Like, I always feel like I'm being sort of held and guided and shaped in how I approach this and being advised by different teachers to find something that feels like truest to me or closest to my heart or, or natural to me as an astrologer, like my take on life or my view has been so influenced by my teachers. And I feel like that's so important, like to to be studying with teachers that have that bigger view that everything isn't, I don't know, I've just, I've I've gotten the view of the US. (laughs) It caused a lot of problems for me. It's, you know, brought more struggle and suffering in my life in a lot of ways. And to have these people who have that bigger perspective has really helped me to help other people, I think, more skillfully, more kindly. Like my teacher Shambhavi is all about bringing everything back to the heart and kindness. And, you know, I I thought like I started studying with her 10 years ago and I thought, oh, someday I'll have all these magic powers and cities and be so wise and so much closer to enlightenment. And now I just, I really want to be as open-hearted as possible and kind of share, share what I have to share and Mm. do my best. (laughs) Yeah. I think one thing that I really have learned from Stephen about, you know, being a good astrologer is, you know, really being considerate about how we approach anything with our clients and how it's sort of, it's like a bedside manner that you, it's not that you're not telling someone something. It's not that you're withholding information or you're misleading anyone about things being hard. It's that you say it in a way that is productive, that is heartfelt, like you were saying, that cares about the person who's hearing it. And also that they can receive it. This is like that refined piece that Stephen's really taught me is like, to be able to kind of tune in at a deeper level when you're talking to somebody and actually see are they able to receive this remedy, for example, it's actually not a good karma to give someone a powerful remedy that they're not going to use. So if that's not like, I'm going to give a random example, but my mom asked me at one point when I was doing a lot of meditation, I'm more doing mantra practice now and yoga, breath work. But I used to set, I used to have like a sit, sitting meditation practice that I would do every morning. And she was asking me like, what's changed about you? You're so different. And I said, meditation. She was like, I'm not going to do that, you know? So I introduced a gratitude practice to her that we did over coffee. It was like three things you're grateful for this morning. And she still does that to this day. And it's been almost like 10 years. Meeting people where they're at is so valuable, like where they're actually going to take a remedy and use it. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of that principle in Ayurveda, like for whom and when, 
Mm. Like, is this needed? Is this appropriate? Is this something that the person can actually take on? Or is it just my idea about what they need or what they should have? Yeah, even in those that feeling that, oh, I said the wrong thing, or it didn't land for the person, or it's not, maybe something isn't the right timing. Sometimes I feel like if I step back a little bit, maybe there's some little shred of something that somebody remembered from the session or mm. there's something beneficial. Like I haven't, I haven't gotten any dire feedback that it was a horrible experience. No, and usually people are very happy. You what's know? interesting too, is people remember different things than you think. Like sometimes you say something and you're like, Whoa, nailed it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and, and they, they don't even remember that part. They remember something you said and they like hold that and they use it and they implement it, you know? And that's, what really touches me and what makes me realize that like we're not in control and that like the more I can clear myself out, you know, my ego will always be there. But like the more I can clear myself out and let myself be a channel for whatever's coming through me and be open and take care of my bodies and my, and my mind to get my sleep, right? Like when I know I'm going to see a client in the morning, I go to bed early. I like really take care of myself and I do my practices that morning so that I am a clear channel. And, and that's the best that I can do. But like not knowing what what is going to transpire, really, even if we've prepared, we don't really know what is going to make an impact, what people are going to take and do. And so we just show up and try to do our best. <laughs> or what they're going to say in a reading. I mean, mm -hmm. I, that's one of those things that I like to have in most of the time in readings, I will let people know in advance, like, I am an apprentice practitioner, I like to have more of a fact finding mission, you know, I'm trying to investigate and see what's going on. Did I, I prepare, you know, many hours in advance, but then I'll always ask questions and try to make sure is this landing? Is this, if I have some insight about your, somebody's past, like, is that correct insight? And when people respond, sometimes I get a lot of information from them that changes everything about what I'm about to say next or, or I can tell that it's not the right time to talk about something. They're not open to talking about a topic. And all of those notes that I've prepared mm -hmm. <laughs> are now irrelevant. And it's like it does it, that feeling, that, that reminder that it has to be this living thing, that this unfolding has to happen naturally and 100%. in partnership with the person, you know, is really... This is another thing I really appreciate about Stephen is the asking of questions. Like, what was it like during this period? You know, when we're looking at the Shaw sequences or like planets that are activated for people who are newer to astrology, there's certain planetary activations, there's subplanets, right? They may be in a certain period. Maybe it's like a new period to them. Like they just entered their sun period. But when they were in Venus sun, we may ask like, well, what happened during that time? Stephen always does like, what was that time like for you? And then you may pull some themes of the sun and say like, did these kinds of things happen? And if they say yes, then you can start to use that information to help predict how this sun period will go. It's just like, stop. It's so simple. You know, it's so fundamental, but just like checking in with the client, asking questions, it helps you to tease out like where things may, may go. And it also helps you slow down. It helps you like, because I am a very Martian person, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> so I'm like, let's get to the point and let's right. make this, you know, effective for you. And I have to like pull myself back and be like, it's okay to move slow. It's just, that's actually rich when right. we breathe and we like rest in what's just been revealed, you know? Yeah. And I remember like, like letting the person reminding, like I, I also say in the beginning of readings that I'm not an expert on somebody's life. Like they've mm -hmm. lived their whole life. They have so much information and I'm there to like see what I see. And, you know, the asking and the back and forth, I feel like in general, my clients, 
you know, they open up, they feel more comfortable sharing things. And that it is, it reminds me the whole time that I'm not the expert. I can see what I can see. You know, I have insights, I have things to say, but you know, that they're in, they're more in the driver's seat. Cause I think when I started this, not having that sense of like, here's exactly how to deliver the information to another person. I thought I had to have this like immaculate hour long speech prepared for the person just to like fire hose them with information. And when I remember, okay, they have way more detail than I ever could. Pretty much everybody has been willing to share more things and help me confirm what I'm seeing. And it's, I really appreciate that and value that like, Mm. that honesty and that authenticity and that sort of support for me to do what I'm doing more skillfully next time or keep, you know, building my little, <laughs> my toolbox of tools. Yeah. Um, I always have loved that from, from clients. Well, let's talk a little bit about like money karma analysis, because mm -hmm. this is something that I really, I love helping people understand the karmas and you can look at karmas for anything in a chart. Like you can look for karmas around your birth. You can look at karmas around, you know, how you, how your health will be in your life. You can look at karmas around mental health. You can look at karmas around success. And so money karma kind of encompasses the money coming in and, and our ability to save it when it's going out. And the kind of success we may have, like if we're business owners, a lot of people listening are spirit-led business owners. So they're kind of like, okay, what's happening now? Like, <laughs> why isn't the flow happening the way I want it to or getting me to the next level, you know? And so those kinds of questions can come up in these specific money karma analyses. I'm really excited that you're going to be doing these with us and, um, you know, just interested in what got you interested in business and money around like lo looking at those kinds of karmas in a chart too. I mean, I really feel like it's something that has been strange in my life. Like I have had, I've always had an odd relationship to money and I feel like that shows up in my chart. Like I've had a lot of fortune in my life and a lot of financial support, but at the same time, like I, I've worked since I was, I think 13. I think that was the first job, you know, I'm 37 now. I've always felt like whether or not I have enough support from my family, I want to know I can make it on my own in this world. I don't want to just be like a, a sponge for somebody else's hard work. <laughs> I want to, you know, be able to do my own thing and make my own money. And um, so going down that road of like knowing that I have this kind of parachute or, or support if I need it, but needing to do my own thing. Like it's, it's been an interesting kind of journey to, work a million different jobs. Like I've worked so many different types of jobs since I was 13. And, you know, finally realizing that I am too, too independent, even though I've had like self doubt and self criticism plaguing me since I was a child, you know, felt like, Oh, I could never make it on my own. I could never do this. It's like, at some point I had to realize, look, if I do my own thing, if I start my own business, I do have a little bit of support. I can lean on, you know, my family. I can even lean on my community. I have a lot of connections in my life. Why not really go for broke? Like, you know, the pandemic hit and I was working a job that was mirroring the first job. I pretty much the first real job that I ever had. And I was great at it, but I hated it. And I just, I needed to do my own thing. And I just challenged myself to kind of start anywhere as someone really close to me says <laughs> and just make something happen. Like keep trying and trying and trying and slowly it's built. And with all the wisdom tools that I have, I just get the sense that 
I'm able to let people come to me that I I'm finding a balance between trying to market myself, share share that information and just let, you know, whatever karma I have to work with certain people, let mm-hmm. those people come in. And so it's been, I don't know if that answers your question at all, but it's been well, a very interesting journey. I think I love where you took it. Cause I was <laughs> mm-hmm. just thinking like, you know, as you were saying, it's built, you know, I was like, yeah, that's how we do things. We got to start somewhere and then we have to experiment gather information and then iterate. And we just keep doing that. And like, for me, collaboration is such a key part of what things can look like when we're successful, because we all lift each other's boats, you know, and there's no competition. Like, for me, the what business now looks like is we're driven to work with certain people based on their values, based on their personality, based on if it feels like a fit, if they have what we need, right? And and we buy emotionally. And so it's so important that we share those parts of ourselves when we are a business owner and we're like a brand ambassador. So I've just seen you do that with such gusto. And maybe you can talk a little bit about LGBTQIA plus informed astrology. Like, what does that mean to you? Well, so like, like I said, you know, you know, I grew up in like the suburban Midwest, like in Illinois, <laughs> and I always felt very different from people around me. Like, I knew I was a queer person from a very early age, but I wasn't aware that I was trans until like my early 20s. And that feels, you know, for somebody like when you think about someone going through puberty at like 11 or 12 or something to realize. Wow, I'm my whole physical situation is really different from what I'd like it to be in your early 20s. That's kind of late. I just have had this really long journey of kind of not feeling that I can fully be myself in life or kind of elbowing out space for myself in certain situations, like going through that whole process of, oh, this is what's really happening. This is why I feel so different. And you know, some of it has been a huge struggle of like long periods of depression or lots of suffering back and forth. And when I met my teacher and started doing spiritual practice and had this community, you know, after years and years of meeting different like queer people and, you know, weirdos and oddballs or whatever, like I always found my niche in some sort of way, but I always wanted to go a little deeper or, you know, after trying a million different things to help myself feel more empowered or feel more like kind of in my own seat or in integrity with myself in life, doing spiritual practice, doing sadhana, having a community where everyone was kind of on that same wavelength and doing their best, you know, to be, to transform some of these habitual karmic patterns that were besetting them all the time. I started to become more actually empowered in like a real feelable way. And I've still had, you know, ongoingly in my 20s and 30s, a lot of pushback in my life about what it means for me to be trans. And, you know, a lot of like really painful experiences that forced me to realize I'm the expert on what it means to be trans for me. Like I get to decide how I'm living my life what I want to put up with, like, I do have a lot of privilege and a lot of freedom in my life to do those things. And I just started to see how I was holding myself back, limiting myself. And I can't tell you, like, I have been, (laughs) I have gone on testosterone, like I've gone on hormones, you know, I had like a female puberty, a male puberty, then I went off of hormones. So I had another female puberty, then I went back on the hormones Mm. for various reasons. So I've had like four puberties, 
<laughs> I've lived life, you know, being kind of trained up as a, as a female in this culture. I, I am now seen generally as male. Like most people don't clock me as a trans man. And I just, I've been in the soup of gender karma for so long in different ways. And I just feel like I have this unbelievable perspective on all of that stuff. It, in, it informs every relationship I have, every friendship I have, every, you know, it informs so much of my astrology. And I feel like so much of my life, I've had a bigger priority around female empowerment and the empowerment of marginalized people in general. Like that's where it started. And then, you know, it became more like queer and trans empowerment. But now it's just that feeling of being an outsider in the world in a way that what I've come to realize is when I look at like the most privileged men, you know, like the white cisgender heterosexual, like wealthy, you know, upper class men, there's this sense that this entire culture has been built around men as being real people and women and every other marginalized person as not really existing. They're like a reflection of men This shows up in religion. It shows up in the corporate world. It shows up everywhere. Going through this whole process myself with gender and sexuality and realizing, oh, I don't even believe I exist. On some level, I'm questioning my own reality, you know, because of religion, because of all these other things. Yeah, but it's like trained into us from minute one to to hide ourselves away, you know, disempower ourselves, participate in our own disempowerment. And so, in my astrology practice, being able to know, like with my female clients, or if I have clients that come to me that are queer or trans or marginalized in any other way, I have some experience of that kind of feeling like and I draw a lot from bell hooks writing about, you know, marginalization in general, like that sense that there is a centered group. And then there's there's groups on the margins that have to observe that group on the center learn so much more about them. Like I've spent my whole life learning about straightness and cisgender maleness and heterosexuality. And I have a lot of knowledge about those things. And I have for my clients that are struggling with that feeling of, oh, should I start this business? Like, I don't know if I can really do it. And I see in their chart, you know, tremendous intelligence, tremendous capacity, like leadership ability, all these skills. I am like, I like rejoice a little bit inside to be able to tell somebody, no, with the tools that I have, you are so intelligent. You are so capacious. You are so able to do this. You have been sold a bill of goods your whole life that this is not the case. And part of your adventure, part of your journey, part of your challenge is to fully step into that. And I can't imagine. I mean, I feel like you have so much capacity. And I wonder if that, like, if that's true for you, like you've kind of gone on that journey yourself as a woman in this culture. You're talking about me? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were still talking to your client. That's awesome. No, yeah. You personally, <laughs> Paula, like, have you experienced that at all? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm also a magic queer. <laughs> so, oh. But so like, you know, queerness, I think there's something to be said about like, there's been a lot of persecution for people that have been on the margins. And so there's a lot of like, entrained, like in our DNA, in our karmic map, like old fear. Right. And you see that sometimes in people's charts that they had lifetimes and you maybe can't tease out what the lifetime is, but there are certain combinations and things that I've learned from Stephen and from Dr. Robert Svoboda where there's definite clarity that there have been lifetimes where they were burned at the stake for being a witch or, you know, they were 
with a certain guru and they fell from grace or whatever. Like you can kind of see these things in the chart. And I think that entrains a certain depth of fear, you know? And so there's a a lot of empowerment in using tools like astrology and being able to like embrace our witchy self. Cause I know I was a witch in a past life, hundred (laughs) percent, you know, like a hundred percent. So embracing that, like we have the privilege of being able to embrace that in this life, but I think there's something in queerness. And I was trying to, I said this in one of my newsletters, like in June, of course, like how queerness actually gives us this beautiful kind of other perspective on reality and brings in this like freshness. It's like a prism, you know, it's called, it's coloring things in a new way so that we can step back and see our culture in a new way, you know? And I'm, I'm wondering if you have thoughts on that. Yeah. It's just, I, I feel like I've been able to, I mean, in my life, I've had the fortune. <laughs> I have had a, a romantic relationship that really showed me the magic of queerness, like the, not just the experience of like being able to see life through a more magical lens, but I feel something. I feel like energetically something <laughs> queer to me. Like that's, it's like the language I have, but it's like queer magic to me is an actual energy of self-expression. And I don't know if you've seen that. There's that uh, recent series Veneno on HBO. It's about this incredibly famous trans woman in Spain and she was so, so badass. But there's this scene that really, I don't want to give it away, but it really exemplifies that feeling. And sometimes when I'm feeling very much like in my seat as a person or very like empowered, I just feel this like rush of life, of like life force of Shakti in my body of like, oh, this is, I'm allowed to really fully step into myself. Like my whole life I've been, I felt in my speech, in my posture, in my walk in, in everything in my life, in my choices, in relationships, even at times I hold myself back. Like I hold myself inside myself and I'm like afraid to fully show up. And that feeling of empowerment is like real for me. Like in my chart, I have some capacity, but I have a lot of challenge in my chart. I have a lot of mess. And I love saying that to people. I love talking to other astrologers about that because I've seen that in other astrologers charts where there's just like lots of challenges. And it's to be able to go on that journey and feel like, okay, this is what when, when we talk about the, the ascendant, the Lugna, the rising sign and all of, all of what that means in the first house of like the sense of self and integrity and empowerment. I've been able to really like learn what it means from one side to the other, from disempowerment to more of a feeling of integrity and walking through the world like that, being able to step into myself and feel that kind of like rainbow of energy or something is, is wild and beautiful and has like created this sense of sparkle in my life. It's like, okay, I don't, I'm not just stuck in one way of being that feels kind of imprisoning and being like kind of dragged along by all these expectations from this culture that from my perspective are not designed to empower us. They're designed to sell us things, not sell us things that we need, but sell us things we don't need. Over and over again. Over and over again. to And have us throw them away. Right. Like you were saying. And go in the ocean. Right. And then keep going and going. And like you were saying about the competitiveness thing, like, one of the things that my teacher Shambhavi talks about all the time is how unbelievably competitive this culture is. And for myself, like realizing, oh, all of this insecurity is still competitiveness that I feel like I'm not good enough. I've bought this story that there's something fundamentally damaged about me, wrong with me. And if I buy this thing or if I pretend to be this way, that that'll be good enough, you know, for the world, that the world will accept me or appreciate me. And 
I don't know. I just, in the past few years, as I've stepped more into my queerness and my transness and just been really honest about it, even amidst all of this scary lawmaking and all of this mess in the culture, feeling like I am what I am. And there are a lot of other people out there that are saying who they are and stepping up and, you know, the people that have privilege like me that are willing to say, this is how it is. We're real people. This is a real way that human beings have lived for thousands of years. You know, it really resonates with other people in this way. And like, I don't want anyone coming to me because (laughs) I'm selling them some idea that they're missing without a, you know, there's something, there's some piece of them missing without a reading from me. But if they want to work with me or they have the karma to work with me, I really try to bring all of that experience to my sessions with people. And if I notice any of that is kind of coming up in their chart or whatever, trying to share what's worked for me or what's helped me unwind some of that stuff that doesn't no longer really feels like mine. It feels like something that was, that I was shackled with and that I'm now getting free from, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, just touching on a few things there, like I notice, cause I also have some troubles in my chart. You know, I have, mentors that do luckily they've shown me their charts so i've seen a lot of people who you know are above 60 and they have hard charts and they've really transmuted that and i feel like there's a certain kind of person who there's a lot of grace that comes into play and literally when we see our charts and we see the troubles we're like wow holy crap i am so lucky that i had this modicum of grace that could pull me up out of this muck right literally um, I think it, it has seeded such a deep gratitude that I have the tools that I have, that I have the teachers that I have, that I'm able to like see a different perspective than I've had in the past. I was just with my family and it's so interesting when you're with your family, how they see you as like your 10 year old self or like your 20 year old self. And you have to just be like, at this point in my spiritual practice, I just have to be like, okay, you're having that experience. And that is your experience because I know the reality of who I am. But it's just really fascinating how our past personalities still persist out there, even if they're not like within us. (laughs) Like we I think there's like the grace of like receiving a tool like Jyotish, like Vedic astrology, being able to use that tool to help other people and to be able to know viscerally what they're going through because of our own experiences. Like it's so valuable. I can't tell you how many people have come to me who have a Gandanta moon, which I have. That they get magnetized to me. I think it's there's a sense of like this happens all the time with Jyotish. I don't know if you have this, but like where people have alignments with you, like really profound alignments, or they're in the same Desha period, the same planetary activations, or they're about to go in the one you're in, or one that you've had a profound realization in, or something like that. Like I'm getting lots of people in Saudi Sati now that I'm in Saudi Sati. You know what I mean? There's something at play that's bigger than you that's bringing the people to you. And this is also what I teach my clients because I'm like, I can see it clearly in Jyotish because I can see the the similarities and like the harmonization that's going on, but it's happening to you too. You just may not have some way to quantify it. <laughs> yeah, it seems like, I mean, it all, it just, it feels like this immense field that's just all so interconnected or like this wheel that's constantly rotating and we get like synced up with different people at different times. And I, I feel pretty confident I would be nowhere without my teachers, like to have found the teachers. And that's one area of my chart that I it has some strength that has some support that has like that. The opportunity to meet good teachers has been a constant in my life. And, you know, teachers of all kinds, like I just I end up finding people 
in really, really difficult moments, especially that have incredible wisdom and kindness and, you know, fire and like they're, it's, you know, there's of course, like always friction in working with teachers and having some of your stuff seen more clearly by somebody else. And, you know, the vulnerability and all of that, that's been like a very interesting journey to go down. But yeah, that feeling that that there is that grace is real. That yeah, as somebody who grew up basically kind of atheistic or agnostic, to feel and have tools that are showing me all these ways that I'm being cared for by life, by God or wisdom or reality or whatever way you want to talk about it. It's like I just I want to be a part of that in whatever little way that I can be, and that that experience of, you know, kind of that little upsurge of devotion of like, oh, thank God, these people were, were here and there on this, you know, especially being in a lineage where there's teachers being taught by other teachers and other teachers, like that feeling that it could go back to wherever. And there's this stream of love and the stream of care and kindness and grace that's and coming beautiful, to us, you know. beautiful responsibility too, like just to speak to what you're saying, you know, there's in your chart to have teachers, but then you also have to be willing to be taught and receive right. the teachings, you know, and that's grace as well. And then being willing to take on the responsibility. Now, I don't know what that looks like, but I'm trying my best to like continue talking about Vedic astrology and, you know, helping people, even if I'm not teaching them, like my teacher taught me, I'm, I'm helping them using this beautiful tool so that I can spread this knowledge and the people's interest. And one thing I have noticed is that a lot of my clients go on to study with Stephen because they're just so like, you know, they get touched and then they want to go do that work, you know, and I, I'm always like sending people in his direction, which is really fun. I, I love that. So yeah, our teachers. <laughs> yeah. And I have, I've had the opportunity to do a little bit of tutoring with Stephen's students and mm-hmm. it's so lovely to just be like, you know, to know all of or many of the roadblocks that I've had to studying and then have, you know, be able to talk about something from a slightly different angle or using different language or, you know, doing my best. Like when you're one-on-one with someone versus in a room of students, I feel like I'm able to really to often to hear where the breakdown is, like why someone's not getting it or knowing, okay, they're a really visual learner. And Stephen has a lot of visuals, but he likes language a lot. Like he loves, he says things like tag this in your mind. And like, I can do that once in a while. I can't always do that without a visual. And so to be able to like make a visual or to talk about something kinesthetically or, you know, whatever with a student and have them go, okay, I feel more empowered to do this. Like I can, I thought I was going to give up, but I'm just going to keep, you know, trudging along and knowing it's this potentially like Shambhavi says, this endless apprenticeship where you just this lifelong thing or multi lifetime apprenticeship where you can just keep learning and learning and learning instead of like in the West where everything sort of, you know, we do an intensive, we're an expert all of a sudden, and now we're going to teach other people something like there's often, I, I feel like at least in the Vedic traditions, there's, there's that sense of studenting for a very, 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 very long time. And even like, you know, Stephen's Jyotish Guru Mantraji would still study the, the, significations of the planets every morning. Like he had that humility to remember, I'm always a student. Also, I just, it really touches me. And this wisdom tradition is just so vast too. You know, one thing we were going to talk about is Mercury, Mm. planet Mercury, which you are ruled by, right? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Mercury is so important for business and for money. You can just riff on that and we'll go back and forth. Like what thoughts you have, maybe go for that and Mm -hmm. we'll go from there. 
Because I think it's such an important planet to understand. And it's often one that's overlooked. And we often just talk about like Mercury retrograde. And it's like, right. there's just so much more to talk about. Like as we're speaking right now, Mercury is just at the tail end of exaltation, you know, mm-hmm. which is more important maybe than retrograde or knowing whether it's combust mm-hmm. is more important. Yeah. than retrograde, for example. Yeah, Mercury is so big for me. Like I, as a mercurial person, I, and I just in general, like loving learning about each of the, the planets and the system, getting their personalities. I've thought about like how that shows up in my life, like that Mercury is a dual planet, like having that sense that, you know, I was literally raised female and now I'm living as male and I have a legal name and, you know, I have my spiritual name, Deva Madhu. I've got a lot of that duality in my life and my personality and myself. And I feel like the communication aspect of Mercury, like I remember after I had started learning the beginning material and learning that the color green is associated with Mercury and looking outside and, you know, I think it was sitting in a park somewhere and I was looking at the grass that was so green and the leaves that were so green, you know, communicating like that, the color green is like taking in the light of the sun and turning it into energy And I think about that communicative aspect all the time with, you know, just relating to other people or business where it's, it's just strange to be a human being where you have an idea that comes into your mind or it doesn't even come into your mind. It just sort of flows out of your mouth, but it's, it's like influenced by the filter of your karma, like your habit patterns, your way of seeing life, the way you're made up. It flows out of you, hits the other person's ears. You know, it, it goes through their filter of what they could hear and understand. They have thoughts about it and then they flow out through their filter. It's such a strange, like almost sexual act to have a connection with anyone, connect and communicate with anyone. That, that feeling of like intimacy that's there. And as somebody who's always had like a lot of issues around communication, like I see it in my chart, people will tell me, oh, you're a good communicator, a good speaker, a good writer. And I'm like, ah, you have no idea. <laughs> Sometimes the stress that's going on. But like my whole life, I've been wanting more of that feeling of intimacy and immediacy and flow and connection with people. And I feel like business, you know, especially independent business in the Vedic system, you know, it's all about connecting with other people and, and communicate. Like think about, I mean, for you, I can imagine you do so much communicative work and there's so many people you're interacting with all the time, like how you're showing up, how that person's showing up, what you have to offer, what the other person's needs are. It's like sometimes to be skillful, you really have to think around corners and see how it's landing for somebody else and just be in that real flow. And the kind of like dual aspect of all of that is fascinating to me. Like relationships are very big in my life and the messiness of them, the beauty of them, the, the, kind of teaching zone of them, not like me teaching necessarily, but how I'm being taught about life through relating to other people is like my whole life. (laughs) Literally, the universe is speaking to you through other people. And I have to remind myself that sometimes when I'm activated in a conversation, I'm sort of like, what's happening right now? Like what is being told to me? Like how what level am I needing to listen here? You know, and like slow down and take a little space and think and take it in, you know? And yeah, it's, it's really cool. And then like, when it comes to business, you, you know, if you're a business owner, you're, you've got to be thinking about how you're messaging, like, what are you saying about your business to attract your ideal clients? How are you creating offers that are going to serve their actual needs? How are you then talking about those on a sales page so that they understand that you can help them with their needs 
and it's like fun to read and makes them want to bring their credit card out and buy, right? And then there's like, what do I say on my Instagram posts or in my reels that's going to help them see me as a potential solution? What do I say in my newsletter, right? Like, and each thing has its own kind of creative brief. Like each thing has its own like reason for being, right? And you have like, here's what we're doing here. And here's what you're doing here. Yeah. So it's like, I think about this all the time. Like, I love words. I love etymology. I still use adverbs with L-Y. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas most of the culture has left me behind. <laughs> and, you know, I am constantly like difficultly, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> because people don't do that. So, but I love like a really well-placed word. And, too. you know, I really care about the way that things are received in words. And I love to write. You know, and I get to do that as part of my job, which is so fun. Um, But it's like a puzzle, you know, and I think Mercury loves puzzles. Mercury Mm -hmm. loves like the amusing experience of unpacking things, you know, and trying to make a communication work, you know. Right. Yeah. That's what I was saying before, too, with all the details and connections, like seeing how everything's all interconnected or how what I'm saying is landing and how that's going to change somebody's trajectory or, you know, all of that is just... Mm -hmm fascinating. Like even just the fact that we have this tool, this like map of someone else's karma that we can look at and see this is connected or learn more and more tools for how things relate to each other is like the coolest thing. I cannot believe it exists. Like I can't stop. (laughs) I I thought I might get bored for five minutes and I have not since 2015 or whatever. It's (laughs) endlessly fascinating. And it makes us remember that the nature of reality is that we don't have like all the answers and we, it is a mystery. That mystery is profound and that is magical. And that means that not only is it in just this place with Jyotish, that's reflecting the reality of our world, which is that when birds are flying into our, our space, that's, that could be an omen. That could be the universe communicating with us. Like there's all these different ways that we can relate to this information. But as a result of this information, our lives become more magical. Our lives become enchanted even. Like, I don't know. I just think that's cool. <laughs> so it's amazing. And I, I feel you too about the, about language as a thing. Like I'm always looking up words. I love, I love language. And even like, you know, knowing where some certain words come from, or even like how Shakespeare, for example, would play with different words or create mm. his own words or whatever. I just, I love doing that. Like, I feel like it, it makes everything richer and kind of like puts your stamp on something something to play around and make it your own. My husband's been reading Shakespeare this mm. past few months. He quoted like a, a sonnet to me this morning. And I was like, oh, that's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Because I haven't read it since high school. So I'm like, huh, now I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, any final thoughts before we jump into rapid fires? Um, I think, you know, one of the one, the things I, I was thinking about with the money karma work is you know, what is money really for? Because like recently, you know, over the past couple of months, I've been dealing with a friend, one of my closest friends had like a serious health issue and was in the hospital for a number of weeks and is now recovering. And it just really like it was that happened right before we were originally supposed to record this. (laughs) And I was just like, oh my God, all of her plans, all of her thoughts, all of her ideas about whatever money she needed to make or her work or any of that were like out the window. Everything got recalibrated there's this constant push in this culture to be going up, 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 like constantly be succeeding. Nothing, you know, if anything dips, there's something wrong with me or I failed or all of that stuff. And it just really reminded me like how 
how much life fluctuates, how we're not in control of everything. And when I asked Shambhavi about money karma, I was like, you know, you're my teacher. What could you say about money karma if I'm going to be talking about this? And she just reminded me that everybody starts out with a different chart, with different potentials. Like not everyone is going to be able to make the same amount of money or get to a certain level of money making. Like everybody's starting with different capacities and potentials and it's fine. Like it's, it's actually natural and good that we all have different karma and it's all like we've been saying, like all part of this web of potentials that are out there. And it was just a nice reminder to me that like, yeah, we don't, it's not all this homogenous experience that we're all striving toward. And I feel like that's, it's one of those things that's talked to, like that's marketed to us all the time that like the point of life is to make money and be famous. And if we're not doing those things that our lives aren't really valuable in some sort of way. And, you know, Shambhavi talks a lot about, uh, because I'm in a householder tradition and my spiritual tradition, we're not, we're, you know, we're living normal lives, we're having partners, we're having jobs, we're making money. And her big thing is, making just enough money to support our sadhana, like having a habitable life is the way that she puts it, where things are relatively easy. There's a little bit of money, you know, enough money to survive and to save a little bit. And to, you know, if something happens, we can support ourselves, but we're not striving, striving, striving all the time, working insane hours, never having any time or energy left over to do practice. Like waking up self-realization is, is, the main thing in this tradition. And so all of this becomes in service of that. And that, that bigger view is like really helped me to relax in life around money. Like, again, I have a lot of privilege, so I can relax more about money, but remembering, okay, what do I really value? What's really important in the Vedic system? I just feel like, you know, with the four Purushartas, like Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha, that whole thing of like, Dharma being the biggest view of life that we get, like ideally we would be raised with this bigger view first. So then when we need to start making money, when we want to enjoy life, we would have that big framework. So it's not just like money's all that matters, success is all that matters. There's like a much bigger sense of what's going on here. And it's like a lot of things all at once, but I feel like that's, that's what I've been chewing on is like, what is it for? oh, it's ideally this money is in service of my bigger goals or or in service of what's actually happening, like what God or reality or whatever wisdom is offering me in this lifetime. And for me, at least I've been over the past decade or so trying to recalibrate around that, like what it, what it means to make money, you know? It's super interesting too, because, you know, when I was listening to you, I I hear a lot of spirit led entrepreneurs or I would say like business owners, like in earlier stages, maybe they wouldn't call themselves an entrepreneur yet. They struggle because that number is not quantified of like what a habitable life looks like. And so they are often willing to live with less than they actually need. Like if they were to think about it, they need more than they probably assume. And for me, that number is actually like $10,000 a month to be able to save, to be able to pay your taxes without stress, to be able to send your kid to college if you want, or pay to go back to India and see your guru or or whatever, like have the wherewithal to be able to deal in our horrible healthcare system if something should happen to you, right? Like I want to see people live a habitable life with savings, with being able to give back, being able to make choices and not feel stressed, you know? And so... I really work on helping people see how that can be possible while still prioritizing your self care and your spiritual practice and like even centering that. Like, let's build a business around that. Like, that comes first. 
And then we build the business in a smart way that helps us get paid and not exhaust us because we're prioritizing our health and our sadhana, right? And then we have what we need and then some, hopefully, on top. Like, I totally agree 100%. And I'm in the business of like, let's quantify this a little bit more. And like, you know, when we're talking in the Western world, I know some of my listeners are in India and elsewhere. That number may be different, but like, let's be real. Like, you don't have to make a million dollars. That's fine. You also can, you can make a billion too. And that can still lead to a habitable life. You know, like for me, if my business made a million dollars, I would have employees that I was paying really well to help me. And then I would be helping them live a habitable life. And I would be helping this farm expand, which we're already doing, but more and more so that more people can enjoy the space. I'm just trying to paint the picture for the people who are listening because Sometimes we get stuck in these thoughts that like, oh, this is enough. You know, I had people like arguing with me when I first came out and started (laughs) talking about money. And they were like, I like sleeping on the floor. And if I make more than $70,000, I become a bad person. I'm like, oh, interesting. You have a number on that. Like, (laughs) So I'm really passionate about helping people out of the trap of that and really thinking of it as part of the Porter Shartas. Like, how do we actually take care of ourselves and Arta? Yeah, absolutely. And like making like valuing ourselves. I feel like there's this, there's this tendency for people that are kind of in this, you know, like you're saying with like spirit led businesses to kind of undervalue or devalue or like be kind of unnecessarily ascetic about things. And if you, if you have all these skills that can like support people to make enough money to where they, they can have different kinds of goals or create more of a sense of community or do all the stuff that you're talking about. Like there's, I, I personally don't have the body anymore to sleep on the floor, nor do I want to. And like, I want that. I would like to make enough so that I can give back to all the people that have helped me, you know, support my community. Like all of those things are so yeah, valuable. Like when there's an emergency, like your friend's situation. Right. I mean, how amazing does it feel to be like, I have a friend similarly who had a very serious issue and it's been about a year and her recovery is very slow. Mm-hmm. And I even texted her yesterday. I was like, what can I do to help you? Like, I'll just send her money now and then because I can, you know, and that feels really good because she can't work right now. But like, what, what if we had that kind of collective view that like, when I have more, it actually just enables me to give more. That's my, my goal too, is to help everybody to see that so that we can collectively be giving like $10 million back. So cool. Thank you so much. And also like when we look at our money karma via our chart, that helps us to see where the inroads are to kind of help expand what's possible, help us see where we're stuck. Maybe there's a remedy we need, right? So that's why we offer these money karma analyses. Um, and then of course, the Heal Your Money Karma course allows you to really look more detailed into your finances and create a system where you're tracking them for you. And you're also planning towards your own dreams and visions for your life. You're looking at some of the stories that are keeping you stuck. And then you're also doing an actual sadhana an actual spiritual practice for wealth creation, and helping to reframe that because I have a, a class by my chanting teacher, Shantala Sri Ramaya in there talking about wealth in the Vedas. So it's like, this is a legit kind of view. We, you know, are using mantras, Lakshmi mantras to actually help empower us so that we're really in line with those original teachings. And we're doing it in a good way, but we're creating... It's not like manifestation. It's like, let's move in the flow with divine energy and then take action. I'm so excited to have you on this journey. So I have a few rapid fires if you want. Sure. Yeah, I love rapid fires. (laughs) Okay. So what's one piece of advice that's really helped you in your life? And I know you've answered some of these before, but maybe something else has come to mind now. 
Well, I really like what comes to mind is that what I was saying about, you know, the start anywhere thing. I mean, one of the greatest loves of my life says that on a regular basis. And, uh, but that was part of the business advice that I got to even start my business that, that concept of just do something, do anything in service of your goals. As somebody who, you know, has a lot of anxiety at times or had a lot of anxiety in the past about, you know, how to make a business happen, I got, I got a lot of support, but that idea of like, just do literally anything, take any step today, just do one thing in service of your goal. It changed everything for me. It was like, I just was like, I felt that overwhelm of somebody who's able to see a lot of details and synthesize a lot of things and be very mercurial and shapeshift and do all this stuff. Sometimes it's, I see the big picture too overwhelmingly and then I don't just do take some tiny little action. And for me, I've noticed with Mercury and Mars, there's that <laughs> think, think, think all the time or act, act, act all the time. And sometimes there has to be a little bit more of a blending. So I took that one step and now I'm doing what I'm doing and I've worked with lots of different clients and it, it feels wonderful to have <laughs> gotten out of my head <laughs> for real. Right. Do you have a morning routine and what part aside from getting up is <laughs> non-negotiable? I feel like everything has been negotiable. Like I've had, <laughs> I do have a morning routine. Ideally, I follow, you know, I have a spiritual practice that I've learned from my teacher Shambhavi and, you know, some practice from Stephen that I incorporate into that as well. So like I wake up and ideally the minute I wake up or the second I wake up, I'm remembering that practice and going into the flow. And, you know, sometimes it's really challenging. I have chronic illness issues. I have all these things going on, you know, strange things scheduled at different times. Doing sadhana every day is non-negotiable, but sometimes I've had to, you know, mo like modify the time that I do it. But ideally, if I could, <laughs> I'd wake up, be flowing right into that sadhana, do that, that amount of practice every day, you know, get into the flow, like feel what all of that is or reconnect with wisdom so that when I'm going about my day, I have that in my being in my mind and my sensorium mm. so that I'm not just like waking up chugging coffee and work, 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 or, you know, going outside and doing some social thing that that reorienting around life has been so helpful for me. But it's a it's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you reading right now? Or what book would you suggest to the listeners? Oh, that's a big, that's a big one. Um, I believe it's called the one I was just reading a little while ago, I believe it's called Astrology and Cosmology in Early China. Mm. And I am studying a method of divination that is like the precursor to the I Ching. And so, in our, I don't know if I would recommend this really <laughs> dense, <laughs> dry textbook about this very niche topic to everybody, but my friend uh, recommended it to everybody in the group. It talks about the astrology that's influencing the hexagrams in that system of divination. And it really, it like is just her intro to one of the chapters has already blown my mind. And I just love like how all of these things have different connections across systems. Like one of the books that I can recommend as yeah, something that's just fun. If people like astrology. Can I ask you, are they using a sidereal system in that Chinese? I think they use a totally different system. Okay. Like it's got really different rules, but the, the other one I could recommend that's more kind of like a broad spectrum, interesting, you know, a very old school book is <laughs> called Star Lore uh, by William Tyler Olcott. It's like Star Lore Myths, Legends, and Facts. Mm. And this one, it talks a about a ton of constellations and 
I think it's from like the early 1900s or late 1800s or something like that. But it has little stories in it from different cultures that, again, are sometimes very dated or the language is very ancient and dusty. But it's very fun to see how all these traditions work with these stars and play around with them and find meaning in them. So, yeah, those are so fascinating because at one point, everyone could see the stars on, right. on the earth. And so everyone was relating to that for half of the day. <laughs> right, exactly. Like they needed to just in the in the book that I was reading before the they talk about that how at night, it's like, it's not really safe to go roaming around in ancient India or ancient China. You're just yeah. sitting around the campfire staring into this like unbelievably detailed vastness and learning from it all night. Mm. So well, we'll put those in the show notes. Mm-hmm. How can people connect with you and find out more about your work? My website is uh, sahayasacredarts.com. It's S-A-H-A-Y-A sacredarts.com. And I've got like a contact page on there. You can reach out to me anytime. My email is on there. It's all over the place. Um, and I I do Jyotish Vedic astrology readings um, still all the time. And I do tutoring for Stephen's students, as I said. And if people are just obsessed with astrology and want to talk about it with somebody, <laughs> I will always do that. Like if somebody emails me and wants to ask me questions just generally about what this is or mm. if they've thought about studying, I'm always happy to share my experience with Steven or any of my teachers uh, if they want to know more. Awesome. Yeah. And then of course, you can get a money karma analysis with Deva Madhu. These are available now and then. So you're going to have to look out for these on my newsletter list and on the website and elsewhere. But those will be available at the time of the airing of this. As long as there are spots available, they are available. So we hope that you will take advantage of Devamadu's wisdom and look into your own money karma to see what remedies may be applied to help you expand what's possible. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. This is wonderful. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cosmic Business Podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review for us so other spirit-led entrepreneurs can find out about us. I want to thank Team Podcast for production support on this podcast, as well as the musicians of the music that we're listening to now, Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantu-Ledesma, from an album Fragments of a Season, which you can check out wherever you listen to music. I hope you have a wonderful day and I look forward to connecting with you on a future episode. Mm-hmm.